Happy uh, Shushan Purim. The shir this week was sponsored by Izzy Bestamsky, and this is in honor of his father's yardsite, which is tonight on the 16th of Adar. Rabbi Avram Yitzchak ben Rabbi Yisrael, all of Ashalom. May his neshama have the greatest aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots and lots of brachas to you and your family for everything you want and everything you need, but Gashmiyas Baruchnis in the material and in the spiritual. Big Yashikoyach. Another dedication on tonight's class. This one is for the CD. And this one was by Rabbi Naftali Astulin. And this is in honor of his father's yard site, which was today on the 15th of Ador Shushan Purim. And uh, his name is Harav Hagoin, Reb Zalman Leib, Ben Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak. All of Ashalom, Rabbi Yastulin's father was a Goyen Adir, respected, a real, real chassid, um, a person that had uh, all of Shas on his fingertips and much, 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 much more. He was highly respected. He lived in the last years in Bnei Barak and by the great, great, great uh, Lithuanian uh, uh, great uh, scholars all knew that Rabbi Yastulin uh, a Chabad Chassid was a Goyen. They had the highest respect for him. May his neshama have a very, very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots and lots of brachas to you, Rabbi, Nasto, uh, Rabbi Naftali and your entire mishpacha, and Yemalei Hashem kol mishalis lipcho letoiv, especially uh, the, your desire so, 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 so much that Moshiach should be revealed right now in the world. May that come to fruition, may that happen right now. This week <clears throat> is Parsha's Kisisa. So in this week's Parsha, um, Parsha's Kisisa, we find a very, it's an extreme Parsha in many ways. On the one hand, we find um, a terrible, terrible um, Story, a very, very great break in the relationship between the Jewish people and God. We had our lowest moment, uh, the time that we made the golden calf right after the giving of the Torah. It is so devastating and such a terrible sin that it called for, at least in, in Hashem's mind, the total annihilation of the Jewish people had Moshe Rabbeinu not saved the day. So it's the Jewish people at their lowest point and at their most disconnected state from Hashem in all of our history. On the other hand, later on in the parsha, we find the re- reconciliation and the forgiveness. And if you pay attention, you notice that the reconciliation and this deeper connection that takes place brings forth such a depth such a love that it almost seems like God loves the Jewish people after the sin even more than before. I mean, the working it through, Moshe Rabbeinu works it through and to bring us to a kapara, you see such a love from Hashem, affection to Moshe, and all of that, it's just unbelievable. 
So during the, those psukim in which we are trying to rectify, or Moshe is trying to rectify the sin of the golden calf on our behalf, um, Moshe asks Hashem for various different things. Um, Hashem initially said to Moshe, I'm not going to go with the Jewish people now. I'm going to send an angel and uh, to take them to the land because I can't go with them anymore. They don't deserve my presence. And Moshe says, if you're not coming, we're not going. And Hashem concedes and he says, you know what? I'm going to come. And then when Moshe sees that Hashem is being, um, so to speak, uh, was it convincible or that uh, Hashem is uh, being open to his requests, giving in to what he's asking of him, so Moshe Rabbeinu takes the opportunity to ask for something. And one of the things he asks for is he says, Hareini no eskvoidecha. Vayoymer, and he says, Hareini no eskvoidecha. Please show me your glory. I want to see your glory. Up until this, till this point, even though Hashem spoke to Moshe many times, and even though there was already the, the giving of the Torah at Har Sinai, with all those revelations of Kriyas Yamsov and all that, Hashem revealed Himself to Moshe by the burning bush. I guess Moshe was asking for much more. He wanted to behold God's true glory, Hashem's true greatness. So this is in Pasuk um, Perak Lamed Gimel, chapter 33, Pasuk Yudches, verse 18. So Hashem answers Moshe and he says, Vayoymer, and Hashem says, as Rashi explains this to mean, that a good request, a very good request, and good timing. That's the main idea of here, very good timing. Because the time has come that I should show you my glory, which means my goodness. You have a very, 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 very narrow perception of my of the capacity of my kindness, my compassion, and my goodness. I want to show you my truer goodness, a much higher level of goodness that you don't understand. And now is the right time because we just almost had we just almost had a fatal accident. And I almost wiped out the Jewish people. And I don't want that, God forbid, to ever happen again. So to assure that something so devastating will not occur, we need to do something. I need to show you something. Because you, until now, when you were asking mercy and compassion on behalf of the Jewish people, you were looking for merit. They don't have merit, but their fathers have merit. Their forefathers have merit. So you were trying to evoke, to elicit, and to call forth the schus avos, the merit of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That's what you were evoking. You were calling for their merit. Like Moshe Rabbeinu says early in the parsha, Zuchor l'Avram, remember Avram, l'Yitzchak, l'Yisrael, l'Avadecha, asher nishbaito, you swore to them. So remember them. Seeming to imply, what happens if all that credit gets used up after who knows how much time, but if we keep on using banking on their credit, it might get used up. After all, they were finite. Their virtues were finite. So there's a certain amount on how much you can bank and count on their credit. What happens if we run out of credit? You might think that I'm not capable of doing good just because. I'm always capable only of doing good if there is someone to reward. So therefore, the time has come for me to show you a deeper reality a deeper truth about myself, where you are going to see infinite compassion, which means unconditional compassion and unconditional mercy and pity in which I can be good and do good and give kindness be- just because I want to give. And But in order for you to be able to elicit this compassion, I need to teach you the method of how to do that. Now, in the process of me teaching you the method, of in future instances, when the Jewish people will need, not, maybe not even in this generation, but in future generations, you will pass on 
this to the Jewish people so they will have this with them for many, 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 many years to come. That they should know how to evoke my mercy. In the process of me teaching you how to, they will evoke my mercy, I will show you, I will, I will, I will, I will answer or I will, give, I will give you what you have requested. You've requested, you want to see my glory. So I will show you my glory in that process. So that's what Hashem says in the verse 19. Vayoymer and he says, Ani avir kol tuvi alpanecha. I am going to take all my goodness, all my goodness, which you don't know up till now. Because as we said earlier, you have only perceived a narrowed little sliver of my goodness. But I'm going to take you up much higher. Ani avir, I'm going to pass before you, kol tuvi, all my goodness, alpanecha before you. And in which context will I do that? How will I, my goodness will be opened up in front of you, but I'm going to teach you how to reach this place. Not just now. Now I'm going to reveal it to you. But how will you call forth this infinite, endless, boundless goodness? So I'm going to show you how that's done. V'karasi b'shem Hashem lefanecha. I'm going to call out in God's name. God is speaking about himself in third person. I, it's like as if he were saying, I will call out in my name before you. I, but he's saying, I will call out in the name of the Yudke Vavke, the name of Hashem. Lifanecha before you. You will hear how I am reciting God's name. And you will remember that. And you will teach the Jewish people for future generations to say that, to call out that, that very calling that I am teaching you right now. And we know that is the 13 attributes of mercy. And they always work in the time of emergency. Even if we're out and we have nothing, we're bankrupt completely. There's no merit left. Even the merit of our, of our forefathers, patriarchs and matriarchs, and throughout all the goodness of the Jewish people, if for whatever reason we've ran out of all credit, we can always call on the 13 attributes of mercy and Hashem will respond. And that's what it means. V'karasi b'shem Hashem lifanecha. I am going to call out before you in the name of God. And v'chanoisi, and when you will do that, v'chanoisi as asher ochoin, v'richamti as asher arachin. I will do goodness and kindness to the ones that I want to grace. I will grace those who I want to grace. And I will be compassionate to those that I want to be compassionate. Meaning, this is not dependent on any merit or any virtue. This is just because I want so it's an infinite goodness, it's infinite kindness, it's not contingent on anything. Rashi says that in the process of doing that, Hashem displayed, Moshe Rabbeinu had a vision, and Hashem displayed to Moshe Rabbeinu an image of himself, because Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, let me show you how this is done. So Hashem displayed to Moshe Rabbeinu an image of himself, with an image of a chazin, of a, of, a, of a shliach tzibur, of someone who is leading the prayers, a human figure sitting in the front of the congregation, dressed in a talis, and saying the 13 attributes of mercy. So Hashem shows Moshe Rabbeinu himself, so to speak, dressed or in, a, in, in the image of a human with a talis, and Hashem is saying the Yud Gimumidesarachim, the 13 attributes of mercy. Teaching Moshe Rabbeinu, whenever you're in trouble, you will, do, you will do so. And then you will reach me in this very, very secret place. And this very high place, and you will be, and you will be safe. Okay? Then the Pasuk continues. Vayoimer, and Hashem continues speaking. And He says, Even when I will do this, and I will show you this image. Because remember, Moshe is requesting from God, show me your glory. And Hashem says to him, perfect timing. Because now is something that I need to teach you how to call, reach for my glory, for my higher glory, and, and reach for my infinite goodness. Right? But even when I will show it to you, you still cannot see the front of me, you will see the back of me. My face, no living being can see me and be alive. 
So you can't see my front, meaning even the front of me as I am in that image of a human. You will not be able to see my face. Instead, you will see my back. And, that, and, and in order that that should happen, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to put you, I have, I have this place, a secret place, prepare it. I will put you in this crack of the rock. You'll go into a cave. And when I'm going to display this powerful revelation of the, thir- of the 13 attributes of mercy, you need to be guarded because it's a dangerous moment. So then I will cover you up with my palm of my hand. And then after that I will leave. And then, when my, my, my glory will pass, meaning after I will do this, I will say, you'll hear me. And you'll see maybe some kind of a distant image. I don't know what was going on because Hashem is showing him the 13 attributes of mercy, how it should be recited by a chazan. But when I conclude that, I will remove my, my, my hand that's blocking you, and then you will catch a glimpse. You will see, excuse me, you will see my back, but my face you will not see. That's the Pasuk. Very, very powerful. Now Rashi says an interesting thing. When he says, I will remove my hand, and then you will see my back, Rashi makes a small comment on Vera'isa Sachairai. Hera'u Hashem showed him Kesher Shel Tfilin. He showed him the knot of the Tfilin. What does that mean? We know all Jewish men wear Tfilin. There's two, pairs of, two parts to the Tfilin. There's one Tfilin that goes on the arm, and the other Tfilin goes on the head. The Tfilin that goes on the head, so the, the box of the tefillin, with the, with the four, with the, um, with, the, with the parchment inside of it, goes in the front of the head, on the top of the head, cor- corresponding to, to the, to the to between the eyes, right? It says, And then there are straps that go around the, ha- the head, and in the back of the head, right on top of the neck, is where there is a special knot. And that's called kesher shel tefillin, the knot of the tefillin. So Hashem is, Rashi says, when Hashem says, you will see my back, what did he show him? He showed him the knot of Hashem's tefillin. That's Rashi's comment. That's all Rashi says. He showed him Kesher Shel Tefillin. We've discussed Rashi's a lot in the past. Um, sometimes they were pretty uh, complicated and detailed. This is very simple. But just... Quick question, we need to understand what is Rashi coming to tell us over here? I mean, Hashem says, you know, instead of, you're not going to see my front, you're going to see my back. So so Rashi wants to clarify, what does it mean to see God's back? It means you're seeing the back, the back of Hashem's tefillin. What was bothering, what was wrong over here in the Pasuk that needed explanation? I mean, I know the Gemara says so, but Rashi is not a quoter. He doesn't just grab... Uh, all kinds of um, statements from the sages and, and put them in. He's not a Rashi is learning the pasuk and trying to explain it to us the best he can. So what over here is difficult when Hashem says, "I will show you. I won't. You won't see my front. You'll see my back." And what is to be gained by saying that He showed him the back, the back of His tefillin? I mean, a simple you can say Rashi was bothered that God has a front and a back. Obviously, Hashem is not a physical being, and He's not within the context of space even to be able to have a front and a back. So it doesn't mean a front and a back. So in order to avoid that problem, Rashi says it's not to be understood the front, the front of Hashem or the back. It means the knot of tefillin. That might be what Rashi wants. The problem with that explanation is that Rashi seems not to be but perturbed by that problem of God having a certain image. Because when you look throughout the Torah, the Torah constantly is referring to Hashem with certain physical descriptions. And Rashi doesn't give any explanations on that. All over, Chumash. Moreover than that, Rashi himself speaks, makes his own imagery in regards to God in different places, in regards to Hashem. For instance, Rashi says that by Kriyas Yamsuf, Hashem appeared like a young warrior. Rashi says by the giving of the Torah, Hashem appeared like an elderly sage, like a teacher. So Rashi himself is giving physical descriptions to God. Now, in this Pasuk itself, or two Pesukim earlier, 
Hashem says, uh, you will not see my face. You will not see my face. There is no comment from Rashi over there. Oh, what does God's face mean? Obviously, it doesn't mean a nose and two eyes. So Rashi should say, you won't see, I don't know, you won't see the front of my tefillin. doesn't say that. So you can't say that what was bothering Rashi over here was the physical description about a front and a back by God because you look elsewhere in Rashi and the Torah and there's no comment where the Torah uses physical because we understand that it's an allegory that, uh, and that God, for whatever reason, sometimes in order that we should be able to perceive Him, takes on a certain form and obviously He's dressing Himself that way for the sake of the, of the Prophet to be able to perceive Him. So that's okay, we have no problem with that. And if for whatever reason we will say that that is a problem, the physical description, so what do you gain by saying, Kesher shall tefillin, the tefillin not? That would mean, that would imply that God has a physical pair of tefillin, right? So where is that physical pair of tefillin sitting? On who's on the head? But there is no physical head. So then obviously, if you're bothered by the physicality of it, which you don't want to apply to Hashem, you're going to have to say that the knot of the tefillin isn't either like a black knot, leather knot, that we have on our tefillin. Obviously we'll understand this to mean some kind of a spiritual idea that this represents. Well, once you're saying that, so what's wrong with saying already God's back? You don't gain anything by saying the, the, the knot of the tefillin. Because whatever explanation um, we, 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 we will say on the back... Like the back doesn't mean physical. On the tefillin, you're not, you have to also explain that it's not physical. If, if what's perturbing one over here is the physicality of it, because God, if, if, if Hashem is not physical, He's beyond spiritual too, then the tefillin that He's wearing is also not some of leather that we understand it. So then what do we gain? Like Mepharshim, many Mepharshim, the, the Evan Ezra, to begin with, has a very long piece, look it up in the Chumash, where he's explaining this idea of Kesha Shotvillin, and he says it's not to be understood, God forbid, in its simple form that Hashem is wearing a physical pair of tefillin on his head. So whatever he goes on to, he says it's a very deep secret of what this means. And the same is the Mepharshim on Rashi, the Maral, the Gurarye, and other Mepharshim. The Gurarye has a whole deep explanation of what it means spiritually, the Kesha Shotvillin. The front of the tefillin, tefillin itself is God's essential glory. Kesher shel tefillin, he explains, is Hashem's glory as it's manifesting in something else. That's the idea of a kesher. A kesher means it's something that's tied to him, but it's not him. That's the Maral's explanation on the Rashi. But if, but here's the problem. Once you need to already explain that, then on a simple level, and you can already do better by explaining the, the front of a person and the back of the person not to mean physical. In other words, if I'm trying to explain to a child, Rashi wrote his peerish, Rashi says that even a five-year-old child should be able to understand it. Because of, uh, a ch- I'm, I'm trying to explain things, the simple, and who learns Chumash? Even a five-year-old kid is supposed to start learning Chumash. That's the time that we start learning. So um, if you're trying to explain the morale's explanation, the difference between the tefillin and the, and the, the not of the tefillin, the way I just explained it, it's pretty difficult. But if you try to explain to a, a simple person the difference between a person's face and the person's back, that the face of a person expresses the internal element of the human being. The back of the person, you don't see the higher inner powers of a person. So the back doesn't mean literally the back of his skull. The face doesn't mean literally his face. It means you're, you're, that Hashem is showing Moshe Rabbeinu an external element and not an internal element. No, front and back is better for that. That's a better, you, it's easier to work with the front of a person and the, the face of a person and the back of a person as a, as a muscle, as a, as a, as a metaphor for, for something internal and external, easier than explaining that in regards to tefillin. So what do you gain? That's the question. What do we gain by saying that it's the kesher shel tefillin that, that, that the Eberster showed, 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 um, showed Moshe? Another thing over here is, the, 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 um, according to this, exp- Rashi is explaining over here just the meaning of Achorai. What does it mean? There's the, fr- there's the face, there's Panai, my face. 
And then there is a choirai, there is my back. Rashi saying, what does back mean? The, the knot of the tefillin. But when you take a look at the Rashi, Rashi quotes three words. V'ra'isa es achorai, you will see my back. And on that Rashi explains, Hereyu, he showed him Rashi is very, very accurate. Why, if he's only explaining the word achorai, which is kesha shultvilin, doesn't he just quote one word? Achorai, which means my back. And over there, Rashi should write three words. Achorai, kesher, shultvilin. Why does he have to also explain the word viraisa, you will see? And Rashi also repeats it in his commentary. Hereihu, he showed him kesher shultvilin, the kesher shultvilin, the knot of the tvilin. So obviously there's a much deeper, there's something deeper over here. We, we haven't really gotten to the, to, the, to the inner intention of Rashi of what is he trying to say over here. However, if we analyze this passage based on what we had discussed earlier, that this was not just a vision. Moshe Rabbeinu was asking God, show me your glory. And God says, oh, you will see my back, you won't see my front. This came as a continuation to what Hashem said earlier to Moshe Rabbeinu, that I am now going to show you my true goodness. And how are you going to see my goodness? I am going to display it to you like a, 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 like a chazan, like, a, like someone who is leading the services in shul. The shliach tzibur. Right, the one who is leading the prayers. And Rashi says clearly that what? That the shliach tzibur that I is Mu'utaf. He's dressed in a talus. And God was showing Moshe Rabbeinu that image of him being dressed on a talus. And in that, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, you will see my back. My, my face you won't see. Of that image, you won't see the front of the person praying. You will see the back of the person praying. And again, the person who's praying is God. He's not creating for him some image. Hashem himself is allowing himself to be seen as what? As a chazan, a shliach tzibur, that's davening. And that Hashem is calling out to yud gimel midas arachamim. Fine. But Hashem says, within that you will see my back. And that's how I'm going to fulfill your request. I want to see, you, you asked me, you want to, that you want to see my glory. You're going to see my glory by seeing my back. So over here, Rashi had a simple question. Only someone, that's why it's Lubavitcher Rebbe's explanation, only someone who learns the Rashi to the point where he completely visualizes and completely becomes one with what he's learning would be able to see this in Rashi's mind. Because generally we would all learn over this. I don't think now one commentary in the world would have came up with this explanation unless you so visualize when you're learning the Rashi. Because he says, the what bothered Rashi was a simple question. If Hashem was showing Moshe Rabbeinu his honor, while he was dressed in a talus, so it's a simple question. When someone is dressed, did you see a person wearing a talus? When a person is wearing a talus, his back is completely covered. If his back is completely covered, you don't see him. What do you mean you see? I mean, seeing God, I want to see your glory. I want to see whatever you are. I want to see you. But if it's covered with a talus, so you don't see the person's back when a talus covers the entire... Bechalal a person's back, you don't really get to know a person unless you see their front. But, but at least you have some, that's the whole meaning. You're not going to see my front, but you're going to get some kind of an image of me. But if I'm wearing a talis, if Hashem is wearing a talis, the talis completely covers the back. That's what bothered Rashi. What kind of vision was Moshe Rabbeinu getting in God's glory if Hashem was covering himself with a talis? Now, obviously, it's from the Mepharshim, it seems to me, a literal talus. A talus made out of wool. I mean, obviously, again, God is now a, presenting himself in a physical image. And he's wearing a physical talus. Now, there are different types of garments. There are garments that are meant to display the person. Last week's Torah portion, we learned about the Big Day Kahuna. So the Big Day Kahuna, the, 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 the garments of the Kohen, of the high priest were made in a way that they brought forth the, 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 the Kohen. It, it represented the person. So there are clothing, expensive clothing, finer clothing, that are meant to bring forth the, 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 who the person is. But a talus, simple talus made out of wool, wool, it's not in any way some fancy garment, it's just a simple thing. 
It blocks. It's a, it's a concealing garment, not a revealing garment. So it's blocking Hashem. So what is Moshe Rabbeinu seeing? When he's seeing God's back covered by a talus. That's the problem over here. So on that, Rashi answers... Rashi, that's why Rashi quotes the whole Pasuk. Vira Isa, es, not the whole Pasuk, Rashi's quoting at least these three words. Vira Isa you will see my back. Those words were bothering him. <laughs> you can't see my back if I'm wearing a talus. So Rashi answers, here's the amazing thing. This gives me chills just thinking about it. Hirehu kesher shel tefillin. Just hear this explanation. Hirehu kesher shel tefillin. Number one, that when God was davening, He wasn't only wrapped in a talis, Hashem is also wrapped in tefillin. That's number one. Because you learned the Rashi earlier, it says Hashem was mu'utaf. Hashem was showing Him as a chazan wrapped in a talis. But from here Rashi is adding another thing. Hashem wasn't only wearing a talis. Hashem is wearing tefillin as well. But here is the great, great, great thing. This is the chilling part. After Hashem called out the 13 attributes of mercy, Hashem tells Moshe, you will see my back. So you know what Hashem did? Hashem rolled the talus off his head. Again, obviously, God doesn't have an image. But again, Hashem rolled the talus off his head and he showed Moshe Rabbeinu the back of his tefillin right where in the back of the skull. That's what Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu. So now we understand what Rashi is saying over here. Hashem removed the talus. When a chazan davens, you wear the talus over the head. Hashem wore the talus when he was saying the 13 attributes of mercy. Whatever that means, his head, whatever this image is, but it's an image of God. Hashem removes the talus from his head and allows Moshe Rabbeinu to see the back of his tefillin, the kesha tefillin. And we understand that that's considered the glory of God. Because tefillin, when a tefillin sits on a person's head, tefillin surrounds the head like a crown. Tefillin is a pe'er, it's a, it's, it's a crown. So when you're seeing something of Hashem's tefillin, you're seeing the glory of God. Because a crown is glory. So when Moshe Rabbeinu is looking and he sees Kesha Shel Tefillin, okay, he's not seeing the front. The Pasuk says, you're not going to see his paw, and I'm going to see my back. But in that there is the glory of Hashem because you're seeing the Tefillin. The Tefillin is a Keser, it's a, it's, and that everybody understands. That Tefillin is a crown. And, and just in the Megillah now we said, to the Jewish people there was light, there was Simcha. So the sages say, Oira is Torah. Simcha, Forgot already what they say about Simcha. The Sasain is Mila. Sasain is the, the Mila. And finally, the Yakar, that's Tfilin. The Yakar and preciousness, that's Tfilin. Glory. Tfilin is the glory. So Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu the back of his Tfilin. And this is why also now we can understand. Why the emphasis by Rashi is that Hashem is showing him the, the knot of the tefillin. He could have said, if, he, if you're looking at someone's head and you look at the back, you don't just see the knot, you also see the ritzuyas. Ritzuyas are the leather straps that are coming down. The leather straps come from the back and they go down. And sometimes it's easier to see the straps. Not always do you get a good, can you always see the knot. But Rashi emphasizes, you're seeing my back, He's showing him the kesher of the tefillin. And the answer is because those leather straps that are going down are not emphasizing the tefillin as being part of God's glory. Because the straps are straps. But the knot is what keeps the tefillin a crown on the head. That's what the knot, the function of the knot is to hold, to make the tefillin a certain tight uh, size that fits snugly, so to speak, on someone's head. So the knot is the keser, the idea that the tefillin is like a crown. So Hashem is showing Moshe Rabbeinu the back of his crown, which is the back of his tefillin. But what an imagery of Hashem standing and saying, the Yud Gimel Yudh the beautiful moment of Hashem now removing his talus from his head, 
and allowing Moshe Rabbeinu to see his knot, the knot of the tefillin on the back of his head. But let's get deeper. What is the deeper meaning of that? What, I mean, if Hashem wants, like, it almost seems like that this vision was an integral part of showing Moshe Rabbeinu how to pray. When Moshe Rabbeinu is... Because one can say it's two, two separate things. Two things. Moshe Rabbeinu asked, I want, I, want to, uh, I want to see you, Hashem. I want to see your glory. Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, I have something I need to show you. I need to teach you how to pray. And you know what? It's excellent because now I can take these two separate things and merge them together. You want to see me. I want to teach you how to pray. I maybe could have taught you how to pray not by seeing me. I could have taught you, um, I could have made a YouTube video and showed you how it should be prayed. I don't need, I don't need to show you me doing that. But you know what? It's great. Let's do two things together. I'm going to show you how to pray at the same time. You will see me. You'll see my back. But then it would be a random connection. And in, in heaven and in Torah, nothing is random. If Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu says, I want to see you, God, Hashem fulfills his request. And in which way? And he shows him the back, but particularly he's showing him the, 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 the knot of the tefillin. And that is in conjunction with teaching him how to pray. What kind of prayer? A very important prayer. This prayer is a prayer that is used when we're in trouble and we don't know what to do and we need to evoke, this is our last resort, we need to go to the 13 attributes of mercy, which we do every year, by the way, slichis, and all the auspicious times when we try to evoke divine mercy, especially on Yom Kippur, by Ne'ilah, and then during Elul, again, Yud Gimel Midas Arachamim, 13 attributes of mercy, say it every day during Tachlan as well. But this is like the emergency, when we really are in trouble, we call out for the 13 attributes of mercy. And God at that time shows Moshe Rabbeinu the back of his tefillin. Is there some kind of a connection? And here there is something very deep and very important. You see, we're talking about when do we need divine mercy? When do we need especially this powerful compassion? This infinite compassion? When we messed up. If God forbid we sinned, like by the story of the, of the sin of the, of the golden calf. The Jewish people did a, committed a terrible crime, a terrible sin. God was ready to to annihilate them completely. And even afterwards, even the Moshe Rabbeinu got them not to do that, they were going to be rejected, they were going to be completely, they were never going to, they weren't going to re- come back to their previous status. And Moshe Rabbeinu was pleading and doing whatever he can to restore the Jewish people, which he did, to their previous love, to their previous place where they had. But how did he do that? Hashem said, I will show you the 13 attributes of mercy. And Moshe Rabbeinu managed to do that now without the 13 attributes of mercy. But Hashem says for future instances, the 13 attributes of mercy, which means that this isn't a time which is something that is necessary after you, chas after a person commits a sin. Now we'll understand why it was important that Hashem should show Moshe Rabbeinu as a tal. Because really you can ask another question. Why, if Hashem wants to teach Moshe Rabbeinu how to pray, the main thing is the recital of these 13 attributes of mercy. We say Hashem, Hashem, Kerachim. Why was it important that Hashem should show Moshe Rabbeinu that you should wear a talus when you're doing it? That's what he tells him. Put on a talus. I'm going to wear a talus. Rashi emphasizes it. It's on the Gemara Mesechtas Rosh Hashanah. Wear a talus. And when you The talus seems to be... I mean, we always pray. We pray with a talus. But it seems over here that this is an integral part of the prayer. That we should wear a talus. And with the talus, we will evoke God's mercy. So why is it so essential and why is it so important? And the idea is like this. If you want to evoke God's mercy and compassion, Hashem has a boundless ability to forgive and forgive and forgive. But it requires one thing from the human being. If the person is seeking sincerely to go back into a relationship and not to upset God again. I mean, if you're asking for forgiveness and you want to come back into God's good grace, wonderful. But you have to be willing to recommit yourself to a true, that you shouldn't sin again. Chas v'shalom, someone takes this frivolously and says, forgive me, forgive me, but I'm going to continue doing whatever I want. There's no forgiveness for that. Forgiveness is when you really mean it and you say, Hashem, at least I'm trying very hard not to repeat my foolishness and to do a sin again. So in order to be able to bring yourself, 
not to do the sin again, you have to really think about what was the cause that made me sin in the first place. And here is a very big question. How can a Jew, who generally is someone, a man of faith, all Jews are believers, but especially a person who claims to believe, even a Jewish atheist is also a believer, because our faith is rooted so deep in us. But a person who definitely sees himself as an observant Jew, wants to keep the mitzvahs, a man of faith, a woman of faith, how is it that even though we are people of faith, we still sin sometimes? Why do we sin? So what's the question? I believe in God, so what is it? But right now I have a desire. Right now I was possessed with a powerful, powerful desire, a lust, a want, or whatever it is, to do something wrong. And I, that's why I did it. But the question over here is like this. What, is, what do we believe? We believe one of the most fundamental elements of faith is that God created the world. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And when God creates heaven and earth, God created, that means everything. But as we learned from the Baal Shem Tov many times, that when God created everything, it wasn't a one-time creation. But Hashem continuously creates all of creation every second. It's a perpetual, ongoing thing that God is constantly creating and recreating the world. That means that not only did God create me a second before, Hashem just willed me and spoke me and brought me into existence from absolute nothing. So how can I disobey His, his will if He at this very moment created me? He's my creator. He brought me into existence right now. How can, how, can I, how can I... Not only that, but in order for me to exist in a minute from now, He has to recreate me of absolute nothing again a minute later. So I got to be totally absurd. I am 100%, not 99.9%. I am 100% dependent exclusively on nothing else but on, the, on him. And he's he wants to make me, and I'm, I'm dependent on him making me. And how can I turn around and completely defy his will when I know and I believe, there's no question, there's no doubt. I really know that way. I know that God created heaven and earth, and the whole world, and me included. And he's going to create, and I need him to create me in a minute from now, in a second from now. And I need him, and how will I go ahead right now and dismiss and go against his will? It's so absurd. Not only does he create me, but even that lust and desire that I have to do so and so and so, that too God is created. So my entire experience is created. How can I, how can I just totally dismiss him? It's such insanity. It doesn't make any sense. It really, really, really doesn't make any sense. The same is also when it comes to other things. Because not always is a person sin doing something they shouldn't be doing. Sometimes it's just laziness and apathy and tiredness or whatever it is that we're not doing that which we should do. Or we come across extreme obstacles, sometimes difficult obstacles. And these things are prevent us. Everybody has excuses. I don't learn, I don't do, do this mitzvah I, because I have this hardship or I have that. I know God would want me to do it, but there's such hardships. But when one considers one basic idea of our faith, who created the entire world? Hashem. Who created these things that I imagine to be huge obstacles and things that are preventing me from learning Torah, doing a mitzvah, that which I'm supposed to do. God created these very things. Not a long time ago, at this very second, He created them. How can God create things? So here's the thing. How can it be that God is creating at this very moment something that's an obstacle, and that's truly an obstacle, not allowing His will to be done? If He wants me to do the mitzvah, obviously... I'm imagining this obstacle. I'm, I think I'm making it much bigger than it is because if I really, really want, I would overcome it. How do I know? Because God is the one who's creating the whole world. And He wants, he wants me to do so and so. He, and Hashem is not, he's not ridiculous. He couldn't be creating something, a true obstacle, and, then, and really want me to fulfill His will with that obstacle. Obviously the obstacle is not what I think it is. And if I know that God is the master of the universe, and of me, and of, so sure I'm going to do what His will. So if a person has just simple faith, 
we really, really, really reach the conclusion that it's impossible to sin. Yet we see that people that have a whole lot of faith do sin. And we, we know ourselves, we fall through again and again and again in all kinds of different things. How is it possible? And the answer is forgetfulness. We all have a munah, we all have faith. But we're not always, our faith is not always in sharp focus. We forget our faith. Our faith, our faith, our ramuna gets kind of gets like blocked. It goes into the background. And we forget. We forget that Hashem is creating me and the whole world around me every second. And right now, the only thing that's important for me right at this moment is the fulfillment of my desire. I, right now, Hashem has to create me. Right now, he's... <laughs> okay, but I'm not thinking about that. Forgetting is the root of all disconnect and all sin. Vishachachta forgetfulness. Therefore, if I want to gain true forgiveness, if I want to have forgiveness, that Hashem should forgive me. And what am I doing? I'm evoking the 13 attributes of mercy. In order to make a tikkun, in order to make a correction, a rectification on the sin, what do I need to make sure that this thing will not repeat itself, that I will not go back to that foolish behavior, is I need to make sure that I don't forget. I need to strengthen my memory. I don't forget. That which I truly believe in, I don't forget. I keep it in front of me. Shavit Hashem. I have him in front of my face. I recognize. Bereshus Baruch Lakim. It's something that I don't forget. It's constantly in front of my mind. In front of my eyes. Oh, in order to have a reminder against forgetting, Hashem gave us the mitzvah both of talis and tefillin. Talus is a reminder, tzitzis. Talus has tzitzis on it. And it says, it says openly in the Pasuk, you will see the fringes of the tzitzis. And you will remember as called mitzvah Hashem. Tfilin is also a reminder. These are mitzvahs that serve as reminders. Vahaya, as the Pasuk says, it will be a remembrance between your eyes. So talus and tfilin are reminders of all the elements of our faith. And that simply that God is the creator of the world and creates me and gave me certain mitzvahs in which he wants me to obey, to do them, and certain things he doesn't want me to do. And the Taos and the Tzvil help me remember. That's why if you want to have a successful prayer and evoke Hashem's forgiveness to make a kapara on the sin chas of becoming disconnected from him, the real, true, sincere way of doing it is saying to Hashem, I know I forgot, but I am going to do whatever I can not to forget anymore. And to prove it to you, I'm wearing my talis and my tefillin right now as I'm saying it. And these things are reminders to help me remember. And even more particular, and I will understand why Rashi says, not just tefillin, which particular point did God show Moshe? He showed him the knot of the tefillin. Jews many times had a minog, and I don't know if it's only amongst the Jews, but it was a, a definitely a, a thing, a conduct that people had, is when you wanted to remember something, you make a knot. A knot helps you remember. So you take something, you have a string on you or whatever, and you make a knot, and that serves as a memory. We find it in Zohar this week. This week's in this week's Torah portion in the Zohar. The Zohar says like this, that Rabbi Yoisi Rabbi Yossi heard some tremendous deep secrets about the end of days. And he says, um, and someone said to him, I think Reb Chia, from who did you hear this? He said, One day I was on the road. I met this Yid called Reb Amnuna Saba, one of the great uh, uh, sages of the Zohar. And, and he darshaned this Pasuk. He, a certain pasuk to who to Reb Acha. When I heard this, Rabbi Yossi says, I went and I tied it onto my. I made a knot on my garment, and he says I made a knot by the corner of my garment that I should never forget it. In other words, it's a teaching that I said. It's such an amazing teaching. I made a knot, and um, then he said to him, when when uh, Reb Acha, I think it was Reb Acha, said to him. Oh, so for sure this is a very, very, this is an incredible teaching that you heard. Fortunate is the generation that, that has such, uh, 
that, that such people like you and are, are, are here. And he says, if you made a one knot in order to remember this, I am going to make three or four knots on my garment so that I should never forget this. So you see the concept of making a knot to remember. Now it's interesting, in Tur, it says, in regards to tzitzis, it says the reason why tzitzis brings to remembering all the mitzvahs is because it's full of knots. And he says it's like a person makes a knot in order to remember something. So the tefillin has knots on it that we shouldn't forget. Now what is the relationship of a knot tying something in order to forget, in order not to forget, to help you remember? So it seems like there is some kind of a mysterious quality to a knot that helps a person remember, and that has a source in Torah. The source in Torah of making a knot. I showed you a source here, a source that says Benegayat Tzitzis, that the tzitzis have knots on them because they're supposed to help us remember, but what's the idea behind it? And the idea is as follows. When you knot something, what you're really doing is you're indicating that you're tying and bonding one thing to something else in a very, very... You really, really, really want these two things to be connected. You don't want it, God forbid, to become disconnected. Like sometimes you have to carry a big package and you don't fit it into your trunk so you tie it to the roof of your car. And then you go and you make knots and knots. And after, no, it's a professional way of making a really good knot because you can't even bear the thought of this thing ending up on this, of, a, of a whatever, ending up on the freeway, right, as you're driving. So you're knotting it, knotting it well. So the idea of a knot is attaching something with a very firm attachment. So spiritually, that's the idea of making a knot. You're attaching yourself to God with a very, very firm attachment. And when do you have to do that? One has to do that when one has slipped in, 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 into forgetting something. Or if a person has forgotten a certain, you know, made a mistake and accidentally missed the mitzvah, let's say someone missed the reciting of the Shema at the right time. So now it's not enough to going back and just doing with the same caution like you've had till now. You're supposed to take upon yourselves precautions such extra, extra precautions that this should never happen again. The Gemara says, what happens if a person sinned? If he used to learn a page of the Talmud, one page, he should learn every day two pages. Double it, quadruple it. That means that your not now has to be more. You can't just go back to what was before. What's the proof? Because what happened before, you became severed, you became disconnected. So now I got to make it even stronger. So the not... And since spiritually that's the idea of a knot, I'm tying myself to a certain awareness, to a certain consciousness, and I'm tying myself very firmly to it, that itself doesn't let you forget. Since it's spiritually that way, it actually works physically as well. That when you want to remember something, you make a knot and it helps you remember. So now we understand why the Abishter showed Moshe Rabbeinu the knot of the tefillin. Because out of the whole, it's not just that tefillin and tzitzis in general is a reminder. But the extra element Hashem wants to show Moshe Rabbeinu. Here is your power. You slipped, you made a mistake. Okay, I'll forgive you for the past. But from now on forward, I want you to really, really, really knot yourself to me. In a very, tie yourself, bond yourself to me with such a strong bond that it should never be undone. Be'ezus Hashem, when Mashiach will come, we will live in such revealed godly consciousness where there won't be a possibility for forgetness. To forget. It won't even be possible. Reminds me of a story just, we're talking about the, the Nara the Tefillin. Reb Wolf Kitsis was a student of the Holy Baal Shem Tov. He once followed his master, the Balshemtov, secretly into the forest. And the Balshemtov had told his student, his sofer. The Balshemtov had a sofer. His name was Reptzvi Sofer, very special scribe of the Balshemtov. And the Balshemtov told Reptzvi, "Come with me," and they went into the forest. And Reb Wolf Kitz has decided to tailgate them without kind of 
notifying the Balshemtov that he's coming along, he was curious to see what's going on. When they came to this clearing in the forest, Revolve stayed at a distance, he shouldn't be noticed. And he heard the holy Balshemtov say to his servant, to his um, scribe, Ripsvi, he said, Now we need to go to the mikvah. Now we're going to go to the mikvah. But there's no water there. And the Balshemtov called out, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. The mikvah of Israel is God. This is, by the way, there are many stories of the Balshemtov that people say this is a real Makubal story. This is not like one story of amongst thousands that swirl around, which we don't necessarily know if it's true. This is a real Makubal story. The Balshemtov called out, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, and a mikvah appeared. Suddenly there was a thing of water. And uh, it was, I think, um, the um, Reb Tzvi went and he toiled in the mikvah. And the Balshemtov said to Reb Tzvi, Come, I am going to show you now Tfilin Damara Alma. I'm going to show you the Tfilin of the Master of the World. And then, I think he said it, I think he said it earlier. He said, I'm going to show you the Tfilin Damara Alma. I'm going to show you the Tfilin of God. And he put him, sent him to the mikvah. And then the Baal Shem Tev turned around and he said, There is a Yalud Isha, there is a human being, someone born by a woman over here. And he, he caught him hiding and he told him, Leave quickly, you know, you're not meant to be here. So we don't know the rest of the story. We just know the story until that point. That the Baal Shem Tev said to Reb Tzvi, his, his cipher, that I'm going to show you the tefillin of God. Similar to the vision of Moshe Rabbeinu, whatever that means. But in any case, very, very soon, um, we're going to live in a time that we won't need uh, knots to, be, to have knots as reminders because it won't be possible for forget. Because the only forgetting is because even though we, we have a muna, but it's only a muna, we don't physically see it. Very, very soon it will be a time when Venigla Kvayd Hashem, the glory of God, will be revealed and Hashem is going to be so palpable and so in front of our eyes that without a Without any reminders, uh, we will see that Enoid Movadoid is not but him. May we merit that uh, that should be fulfilled already now. Oh, man, you're so 